you to take your Bibles today and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now we are going to preach and focus today, all day, morning and evening, on this idea of thanksgiving. So tonight we're going to forgo our series in Jeremiah, and it will actually be part two of this message from today. So this morning will be part one. And I want to make, especially for those of you that are online, I want to make a a very clear articulation. (coughs) The title of the message is not an announcement. Okay, those of you that are online, please take note. The title of the message is not an announcement. The title of the message is Thanksgiving Cancelled. Okay, and I'm not saying... I'm not saying that this Wednesday's service is canceled. We are still having our Thanksgiving service at 7 p.m. We're even going to open the doors. Brother Lynch is going to come, as we mentioned. We're going to do it online, too. We'll be passing around the microphone. Uh, So we are not canceling Thanksgiving. But that is the title of the message in the series, both this morning and this evening, because uh, primarily, you know, this has been a theme the last year or two, uh, cancel culture. And so I'm picking up on that um, because it, it is possible for people to cancel Thanksgiving. In other words, to, to um, remove and nullify reasons for us to be grateful. And it, it, it's almost, I think, a default setting for us. Uh, I have mentioned many times in the past of a... I don't know if it was a booklet or an article, um, but it was titled, you, you may remember this, um, Today is the Worst Day Ever, oh, how is it, I'm getting it all, I didn't write it down, This is the Worst Thing Ever and We're All Gonna Die, something like that. And then it's subtitled, How America Panics, and that's true. I mean, you think, I remember Y2K. And I was one of them. I loaded up on water and, you know, we were like, okay, doomsday, here it comes. <clears throat> but we, we tend to panic. You know, we tend to, and here's the danger. If we're not careful, we will, in our minds, remove every reason we have to be thankful. And our default mode would be, I, I just want a good complaint. And I want to keep it running. I want a running complaint. I want a good reason to gripe. And that describes a lot of Americans, doesn't it? And sadly, you know, sometimes I can, I can understand. Someone that doesn't have the Lord, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how, I don't know how they get by. Um, and, and I can understand, you know, they don't have any reason to be thankful for. But man, when you're saved you got a million and one reasons to be thankful, no matter how bad you have it. So the title, Canceling Thanksgiving, is not an announcement. Please remember that. And if somebody looks online and just sees the thing, oh, we're not having a service on Wednesday night, yes, we are, okay? So look at, um, you're in, are you in 2 Corinthians? All right, let me just quote to you a verse, and then we're going to pray before we jump in on part one this morning. And, and the verse is this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 commands us who are saved, it says, 
In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That is a command for the believer. In everything, give thanks. You know that any time you give a testimony of praise, whether you feel like it or not, you are right smack dab in the center of God's will. Because you know, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And uh, I get the idea from that, that God wants us to continually offer the sacrifice of praise, even thanksgiving, from our lips. And we don't do it enough. We need to, we need to be praising God for all kinds of things. So what is it that would cause us to cancel that gratitude in our mind? What would lead us down a road where we just become ungrateful? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. Let's bow in prayer. And uh, please pray for me as we get through so that it's about the Word and about the message and not about the distracting preacher, okay? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for this precious congregation. And I pray, Father, that you please help me to, um, to be able to articulate without distraction the things that you've put on my heart. We want to focus our attention today on this great topic and our great God, and all the reasons we have to be thankful. And Lord, I know that on any given day there are Christians, uh, sometimes we struggle with that, sometimes we're not thinking right, and, um, and, and we start complaining. We start, we start not even acknowledging your goodness. And so I ask your blessing uh, on this message, and tonight, we just pray in Jesus' name, Amen. I'm trying not to sip, so I just put the cup to my mouth and I didn't have any water come in, but that's okay. All right, look at First Thessalonians chapter, or no, look at Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. So I mentioned this, cancel culture. <clears throat> this is a trend today, is it not? And I think it is a very dangerous trend. And I'm going to tell you based upon Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, that America and people are canceling things left and right that for years they never would have canceled. Things that generations before us esteemed as very important, as wise. And now, with one fell swoop, people are being dismissed. Our American history and our founding fathers are being, I mean, just wholesale people that have been admired and people that have been lifted up as role models are now canceled. And, and, and they no longer, their quotes don't matter. Uh, these are men, uh, you know, because of this cancel culture that we are now pushing aside. Uh, somebody once said, I read this quote recently. <coughs> Listen to this, because by the way, really important point. It is important that you and I um, recognize that people from the past, and this applies to Old Testament people that were in the Old Testament, it applies to our founding fathers, it applies over and over again to all kinds of historical settings. We can learn, <coughs> excuse me, we can learn from our past mistakes, and we can learn from the past. People, and to cancel people 
that would be valuable for us not to cancel is only a, a sign of our foolishness. And here's the quote. Somebody once said this. The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. That is a great quote. I want you to think about that. The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. I have heard over and over again people that have canceled certain church fathers from history because somebody has maligned them or, or <clears throat> you know, maybe they believed in, in something that was not good and, and, and yet there's some things that could benefit from us. And for years, godly men have esteemed them and now they're just being written off. And it is foolish to cancel someone that you can learn something from. And, and especially historically. Please be careful when people censure, when people cancel historical figures, because what they're doing is they're ripping them out of their context. And that is, that's just a bad thing. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. We're going to park here this morning. Uh, tonight's message is going to follow from this. And everything we talk about this morning, tonight is going to be Exhibit A uh, of what we're talking about this morning. And we're going to look at just one example of a man of God who fits perfectly what we're talking about. And that, that man is Job. Um, so we'll talk about him tonight. But look at 2 Corinthians <coughs> chapter 10, and verse 12. Paul says this. And by the way, he is addressing uh, the people that are trying to cancel him. And they're lifting themselves up. And so he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number, comma, <coughs> or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Now that whole line right there, I know there's a, a um, colon after themselves. That's the first part. Again, look at verse 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number... And then, and then it says, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. There's two possible ways to look at that. I am so sorry. <coughs> That's annoying, isn't it? It is so annoying for you. Thank you. <coughs> I, pre I appreciate you listening. But if people slowly walk out during the morning service, I'll understand why if it's just me and Mr. Kerr talking. And then, you know... <laughs> Um, and my wife, she would stay. I believe my wife would stay. <laughs> okay, don't laugh. Don't laugh. You. All right, look at So, the first part now, we dare not make ourselves of the number, is actually in the Greek connected to the next statement. So the word or is actually, it's like he's saying, or let me, let me word it this way. He's not saying like two things. Okay, don't make yourselves of the number, point one. Point two, don't compare yourselves with those who commend themselves. Actually, it's not two separate points. What he's doing is he is expounding on that first statement. For we dare not make ourselves of the number. In fact, you could put the word by. It's like he's saying, or, or let me put it this way. We dare not make ourselves of the number or or by comparing ourselves with some that commend themselves. That's a complete thought in the Greek. And here's what he's saying. Because 
And here's why it has to say separate. At first, if you just say, we dare not make ourselves of the number, he's talking about not comparing. <clears throat> but he's not making a statement that it's always wrong to compare. And, and you could easily misread that. You know, someone could say, well, it's always wrong to compare. Because the Bible says, we don't make ourselves of the number. Don't ever compare is the idea of that statement. He's not saying that in, in that way. Because there are times where the Bible over and over again challenges us to compare. In other words, Paul says, be, um, be thou followers of me. And he talks about that several times. And there's another word in the Bible about uh, being an example. Over and over again, there are people that we set up as examples. You're comparing, aren't you? And that's not a bad thing. That's encouraged in the Scriptures. So this is not just saying, hey, don't compare. This is saying, and this is what Paul's addressing, he's saying there's people that are lifting themselves up and patting themselves on the back, and they're, and they're unfavorably, we're being unfavorably compared to them, and rejected, canceled, is the idea. And he says you don't want to do that. You, here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't measure yourselves by those who lift themselves up and compare themselves with others. That's the idea of that first verse, uh, the first statement. And then he explains it. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. So this whole, whole one thought here, and he's saying, you and I have to be very careful that... We don't compare ourselves with others in a way to promote ourselves. And there's people that we're doing it. In other words, you in other words, he's saying stop canceling people that shouldn't be canceled. Pay attention. You and I can learn from other people. <coughs> um, let me give an example now of this. We because we do compare. And sometimes, again, sometimes it's good to compare. Sometimes it's not good to compare. I had an old, no, I still, I have an older brother. He's always been older than me. And uh, I've always had him. He's not always had me because he's six years older than me. His name's Jim. Uh, when we grew up, he was Jimmy. And um, I felt like I lived under Jimmy's shadow. He was one of those guys that didn't even have to study and he'd get good grades. And I'm the guy that never got good grades because I didn't study. <laughs> but, I, you know, I always felt like I was being compared unfavorably to my brother Jimmy. And so, again, I've always lived under a shadow. And I remember as a young man, <clears throat> now, the older you get, the more you realize that the things that are around now haven't always been around, uniformitarianism. And that's true with rainbow sprinkles. You see, before, when I was younger, the only kind of sprinkles they had were chocolate ones. And they were called Jimmy's. That's my brother's name. And so, in our house, my parents would say, hey, would, you, would anybody want any Jimmy's? I thought, well, wait a minute. Why is this food item, why is this named after Jimmy and there's, there's no Stevie's? You know, I just, this is not fair. 
This is just not fair. So when Rainbow Sprinkles came out, I renamed them Stevie's. So I'd appreciate if now, from now on, you would call Rainbow Sprinkles by their real name so that I don't feel inferior to my brother, <laughs> okay? <laughs> now, of course, I'm, I'm kidding. You don't need to call it Stevie's, but it's funny how, you know, living under the shadow, I felt like I was always being compared. And then the fact that I didn't have a food item named after me, it just seemed like an injustice, you know? And, and that's an example where comparing isn't wise, but that is going on all over the place today where people are comparing themselves to other people in the wrong way. In fact, notice this text here in 2 Corinthians 10, 10 12. The second part, it says, but they, <coughs> measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. Now look at that last phrase. Are not wise. That's from one Greek word. And the idea literally is they demonstrate their ignorance. It's connected to the the previous phrase. In other words, when people measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves among themselves, like, hey, I do this better than them. I do this better than them. They're demonstrating their ignorance when they do that. By the way, that's a very common practice for, for people that are unsaved that think they get to heaven by good works. It's a natural thing. Well, I, you know, I may not be the best person, but I'm better than that person because I don't do this, this, and this. Or I do this, this, and this. That's one of the ways that you're measuring yourselves by yourselves, and that demonstrates your ignorance. Folks, that's not God's standard. God's standard is Jesus Christ, who's perfect. And so guess what? We all fall short. You say, well, that's not very good. How am I going to stand before God? Well, in your own righteousness, you're not. You need the righteousness of Christ imputed to you by getting saved. Because it'll never you'll never be good enough. Never. In fact, the standard is so perfect. James says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. Well, that just threw that out the window, didn't it? So stop patting yourselves on the back as far as God goes, by comparing yourselves to others, you and I are condemned as sinners, and we need a Savior. That's why we have Jesus. So, here's how, um, how can someone cancel Thanksgiving? That's my first point. Here's how it happens. Someone gives a testimony. Somebody, on Thanksgiving, this Wednesday maybe, Somebody gives praise to God. Too many times, we don't have the ability to rejoice with those who rejoice because of our, that tendency. That tendency to always complain. That tendency to be ungrateful. So, somebody, somebody gives a praise testimony and And something like this will come out. Well, that's easy for you to say. You don't have my situation. We give... So so that happens in so many different ways. I'll give you a couple examples this morning and then a couple examples tonight. Someone thanks God because their parents are around as an adult. Well, I didn't have that. 
So I'm not thankful for that. Or someone thanks God. You thank God because your parents are saved. Well, my parents aren't saved. You thank God because you were able to have children. Well, we can't, someone would say. You thank God because you found a wife or a husband. I haven't. It goes on and on and on. Where we look at other people's scenario and we compare ourselves unfavorably and it gives us a good gripe for a while. Takes away. It cancels. It robs us of being thankful. Folks, that's the danger. That's how you cancel Thanksgiving. Measuring everything by comparison instead of seeing every blessing not compared to other people's blessing or lack thereof, but every blessing as a gift from God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. I want to give an illustration today that I've given several different times over the, over the course since I first heard this, early on in, in my ministry. And I love this illustration so much because it, it helped me tremendously. Now many of you you've been here any length of time you've already heard this illustration and I don't apologize for reusing it again. I want to get this drilled in your mind and I don't want you to ever forget this illustration again because it has helped me tremendously and then tonight when we look at the, the life of Job this is going to play out look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 Paul says for who maketh thee to differ from another you know, talking about comparison, comparing. Now look at the next statement. And what hast thou, what do you have, that thou didst not receive? What do you have that wasn't given to you? And by the way, before you start thinking of things, if you start thinking, well, this wasn't given to me, I earned it. This was you're, you're forgetting God. God gave us everything. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, if you received it, and it wasn't something that was yours before that, why do you glory as if you haven't received it? <coughs> here's the basic challenge, and, and here's, this, here's the illustration. Imagine with me, imagine with me that you're, you're, you're minding your business, you're at home, just you know, watching TV or whatever you do, and all of a sudden, there's a knock at your door. And you open the door, and there's some stranger there. And he whips out of his wallet... A million dollar bill. Now that is a million dollar bill. It's actually a track. Um, by the way, there are no million dollar bills. The highest denomination of American currency is a hundred dollar bill. There used to be a five hundred dollar bill. You realize that? Back in, I think, 1945, they, they stopped printing that. So if you go and ask for a couple five hundreds, they're not going to give them to you. So, but this is, let's imagine that the highest U.S. currency was a million dollars, and it looked like this. By the way, I think it's Rutherford B. Hayes is on there. So I guess if there ever was a million-dollar bill, maybe it would be Rutherford B. Hayes. So you, you get this knock from a stranger, and you're like, yes, can I help you? And he just pulls out of his pocket a million dollars, and he hands it to you. And then he leaves. Now, what would you do in that situation? So I'd give it back. I don't, he must have the wrong person. i gotta, uh, I got to let him know. You know, i got to find out why. I'm not going to just take this man's money for nothing. Is that going to be your response? And I think many of us would be like, hmm, wow, that was weird. Oh, I'll just take it as a blessing from the Lord. 
<laughs> wonder who that guy was. Maybe he had the wrong person. Oh, well. You're now a million dollars richer. Would anybody complain in that situation? No. The next week, same time. Same time of day, same day of the week. You're minding your business in your house. All of a sudden, there's a knock at your door. And you're like, what, what could this be? And you open the door, and it's that same guy. Now, just seeing that person kind of makes you feel happy, doesn't it? Because you're associating him with the only way you've ever seen him before was he did something nice to you, and you're thinking, what are you thinking? Hmm. Hmm. And sure enough, you get excited because he's reaching his hand in his pocket. Where'd my million-dollar bill go? And he pulls out another million dollars, and he hands it to you. You have just become a, a millionaire, multi-millionaire, in one week. Pretty awesome, isn't it? The next, now the third week, same day, you've actually got, you actually set your, your, your timer on your phone for that same time, just hoping. And the timer goes off, and coinciding with your phone timer, there's a knock at the door, and you're like, this is glorious! You answer the door, and it's the same guy. You are feeling so blessed, are you not? And you, you look, you open the door, and you don't you don't greet him gruffly or cautiously. He is now a dear friend, even though you don't know his name, you know. And you're like, "What are you doing?" And he and he reaches in and whoo, another million dollars. Now, wouldn't that be great, right? And imagine that this happened week after week. After week, four, three months, you figure out how rich you'd be. I think you'd be feeling blessed, wouldn't you? Now it's the next week after the three months. And uh, you don't even need to have it timed on your clock because you've scheduled your whole week around that day. And you actually are, you're not even sitting at the couch now. You're standing by the door at 4 o'clock, whenever it is, and you're waiting for him. Are you not? Because it's been happening so consistently. And you're, you're just fired up. And so it's 4 o'clock. And there's no knock. 4.30. Like, oh, I hope he's okay. You know, we really care about him, don't we? Now we do, right? 5 o'clock. He never comes that day. Oh, man. Maybe he's sick. But we've really gotten accustomed to this million dollars every week, Right? So the next week, that time, we're like, all right, let's set the clock again. Maybe he was just sick and he's going to show up today. So we set the clock. We're standing by the door. No visitor. Third week after that, no visitor. Fourth week, no visitor. We are disappointed. A couple months later, you've lost track and you, you don't even think about it anymore. And you're shopping out there at Giant... And all of a sudden, there's that guy in the aisle. And you run up to him with great anger. You grab him by the shirt and shake him and say, Where have you been? Is that what you're going to say? No, you're not, are you? I mean, maybe you might feel that way. But are you going to, you know, who in their right mind would go up to that guy and, and start laying into him? You stop coming. And I really needed you to do that. Would anybody get mad at that guy? Maybe they would. 
but they'd be totally out of line, wouldn't they? Because every time he went and gave you something, you didn't deserve it. And so if we were to somehow start getting angry or bitter at this man because he stopped coming to our door and blessing us, shame on us. And yet, that's what so many people do with God. They do. What dost thou have that thou dost not receive? What do you have that you didn't get from God's hand? The answer is nothing. Then why is it that we begin to take so many things for granted that if God takes one blessing out of our life, we start getting bitter at God? How dare you? You took this from me. Wait a minute, folks. Everything. In fact, if thou, if thou didst not receive it, or if that, let's see, how's it go again? What dost thou have that thou did not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? In other words, every blessing in your life, in fact, the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Everything. Too many times people treat God like he owes them because he's blessed them in the past. And he stops blessing them in a particular area. That doesn't mean that God is no longer good. But that's how we interpret it, is it not? That's how we can cancel gratitude. And that's how we do in America. We do it very well. We've, we get so accustomed to things going a certain way that when it is taken away, why, we just, we're ready to, you know, this just isn't right. Folks, we've got to back up. And we've got to, we got to realize that if we got what we deserved, you want to talk about that? Because so many times when someone loses something, they're like, I didn't deserve that. I was robbed. If we got what we deserved, you know what Lamentations 3 says? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. That's in a judgment way. If you got what you deserved, if I got what I deserved, folks, we wouldn't be heading to hell we would be in hell. But God in His goodness has blessed us with salvation and so much more. So I want to ask you something. What's your attitude about God? Do you see yourself as a benefactor that, that God has blessed you? Somebody once said this, Faithfulness means not forgetting the Lord in the good times. And we tend to do that, don't we? Ron Hamilton has a song. I forget what it is right now, but it talks about, you know, that when things are going well and, when, and blessings flood my way, I turn my eyes away from you and soon forget to pray. What song is that? Lord, I need thee. Lord, I need you. When things are going well, we tend to turn away from the Lord. And then when things are bad, so... Um, the statement again is, faithfulness means not forgetting the Lord in the good times and not blaming Him in the bad. See, God is good. Asaph in Psalm 73, that's what he did. He forgot that God was good. In fact, he did exactly what Paul told us not to do in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, comparing. And he took his eyes off the Lord and how good he was, and he started comparing himself to the people of his day. The wicked people who seemed to be prospering. And he had to learn that God 
is good all the time. So, I want you to turn your Bibles now to Proverbs chapter 27. So, point, two points we're looking at this morning. In the last ten minutes, we're going to look at this last one. First point was, how can someone can- cancel Thanksgiving? And, and you, you may not cancel Thanksgiving because it's still going to be here on Thursday no matter what. And you may not celebrate or not. You might not have turkey. And by the way, just if you don't have turkey, that doesn't mean you're canceling Thanksgiving. Uh, scripturally, canceling Thanksgiving is going through this week coming ahead and not giving thanks to God one time. That's canceling Thanksgiving. <clears throat> now, what does envy have to do with, with it? Because envy is what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number. We dare not be those people who commend themselves and praise themselves based on what's going on in one another's lives. That's the idea. And that, that's envy. Because then everything is not based on the standard of what I deserve or how I've been blessed. Everything's based on the standard of, you know, well, what does he get? If he gets it, I want it. Or what does she have? You know, how easy does she have it? Then I should have it easy. That kind of an idea. So look at Proverbs 27 and verse 4. Proverbs 27 and verse 4. We're just going to look at one phrase in this, in this proverb. It says, who, the last part, who is able to stand before envy? And see, envy is what will rob you of being grateful. It'll cancel your thanksgiving. What is envy? The word envy here is a very interesting term. It's a Hebrew word. And uh, let me give you an example. A great example is in Genesis. You don't need to turn here. Genesis 26, verses 12 through 14. It uses this Hebrew word, envy. Genesis 26 and verse 12. Then Isaac, that's who we're talking about. Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So we're talking about specific material blessings that Isaac experienced a hundredfold. Verse 13, and the man, that's Isaac, waxed great and went forward. And grew until he became very great. So Isaac is on his, he's upward, upwardly mobile, as they might say. Verse 14, for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds. And by the way, back in Bible times, that was how you judge someone's prosperity and blessing. If they had a lot of stock, a lot of, um, they had a lot of flock, a lot of herds, then they were blessed. You know, that was that was the material wealth was limited to that. It says, and great store of servants. And then it says at the end of verse 14, Genesis 26, 14, and the Philistines envied him. And that's the same word that's used in Proverbs. Who is able to stand before envy? And by the way, that's written in a kind of a, you know, like who envy is so powerful. Who can stand before it? I mean, it'll, it'll kill us all. It'll destroy us. When it comes to thanksgiving, gratitude, it's absolutely right. Now, it's interesting because this Hebrew word that is translated envy in the two places we just looked, elsewhere is translated jealousy. Proverbs 6.34, For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. And it's the same word that's used for, for uh, envy. 
<coughs> and um, here's the distinction. In fact, let's look at the word envy for a minute. Envy is defined this way. It is pain. It is pain or discontent by the sight of another person's success. And it is accompanied by or with some degree of hatred or malice. And it is usually with the desire or an effort to depreciate the person. In other words, envy likes to see uh, people that we don't like fall. And envy says, in fact, the Bible even tells us, it addresses this. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. That's envy. When you see someone that you don't like having a problem in something, and you say, <laughs> karma! You know, they always talk about karma, and I do not believe in karma. I believe there's a living God who's sovereign, who works all things together according to the counsel of His will. But you, you, you know what they say. Uh, there's a, I, I love, this is weird, I'm sorry, but I got into a phase for a little while on YouTube uh, watching car crashes. But if you do this for a while, and you go for a trip, you're going to be like, the whole time you're going to be, because you've just been watching a bunch of car crashes. And you're going to be driving like, oh no, you know, there's a truck moving over. And like, well, I've seen trucks hit, hit other people. So it's not a thing that I would recommend. <laughs> and why am I using this as an illustration? Oh, it's YouTube, right? Why? Oh, man, I'm sorry. I was talking about YouTube and I started saying envy. Yes, envy, right? They're going to have to put me out to pasture pretty soon. You know that? Let me just look. Okay. Please, it's in there somewhere. Come out. Come out wherever you are. All right. You know what? If I remember it, I'll, I'll share with you tonight. If I don't, then it won't matter anyway, will it? <laughs> but again, envy then is, envy is you and I. Um, you know, delighting. Uh, let me go back to this first. Maybe it'll trigger. Re- let not rejoice not when thine enemy stumbleth, and let not thine head, heart be glad when he falleth. So envy is when you see someone that you don't like doing well. Envy says, or doing not well. We have pleasure in that. <laughs> got what he deserved, didn't he? Got what he deserved. Oh, I know what it was. Thank you. These videos shows people, uh, and I have to admit, I I like this a little bit. <laughs> you see somebody that's, you know, it's usually traffic situations, and you'll see someone walking along the side of the road and maybe yelling or cursing at, at a, a motorist, and and the person's videotaping him. As soon as he does that, he, the guy walks into a telephone pole, you know? And you're like, ha, you just said something bad to me, and look what happened to you. You know, that's kind of human nature, isn't it? You know, we get mad at people, we get mad at things, and then if something bad happens to them, like right at that time, we're like, ha! But the Bible says we shouldn't be doing that. So, the challenge for us, and again, tonight we're going to look at Job, but the challenge for us, first of all, goes back to the heart. You see, if you and I are going to rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep, and I, there are multitudes of Christians that can't, I'm convinced they don't have the capacity to do that. There are people that come to church and all they're thinking about is their 
misery and they want to pull everybody else down. I'm having a bad life or a bad day and I want you to come down with me. You know people like that? Or they're having a a good time. Things are going great. And they're coming in. And they're so happy. And someone sat over there and they're like, Oh, thanks for raining on my parade. It's like, wait a minute. Does everything have to be about you? It doesn't. You see, God wants us and He gives us the ability to do this. You come to church sometimes and you're, you're feeling a little down. You ever done that? Come to church, you're feeling down. Maybe you're even praying, Lord, I pray someone would just be an encouragement to me. And someone comes along and and they're not an encouragement. Maybe because they're having a great day. And God wants you at that time to just set aside your very bad, horrible day and just to rejoice with them. Just Just for a moment, can you pause your life and just bask in their happiness? Praise God that he has blessed them by providing a windfall to help with their debt when you're in debt. You know, that would be the idea. Do you have that ability? I pray that you do. So the idea of not making ourselves of the number, comparing ourselves with some that commend themselves, folks, that kind of envy, that kind of attitude will cancel your ability to be grateful. Remember, what do you have that you didn't receive? Remember the guy knocking at your door? That's God. And what we're going to look at tonight is amazing. I'll I'll kind of give you a a little blurb for tonight. Job was, uh, if there was anyone who um, would seem to have a reason not to be thankful, don't you think it would be Job? I have never heard someone envy Job. You know, I've never heard someone say, you know, I just wish, I, I wish my life could be like Job for a, for a little bit. You know, you ever hear someone say that? Boy, you know, I really, oh, I just want to be like Job. No, and yet, Job is the one person that had the worst day of his whole life. Worse than anyone's, a lot of people's bad days and people have had some people have had tragedies come in their family. Job had it all in one day. And folks, in that situation, we're going to look tonight at Job chapter 10, just one verse. Job was able to praise the Lord. And it is amazing. And I want us to learn from Job so that we don't cancel thanksgiving let's pray father thank you for your word lord help us because we are flesh we are sinful and uh, we do have a tendency uh, to complain to not appreciate things to not see the good that you've blessed us with and uh, father i pray that you'd help us help us not to cancel thanksgiving with our attitude help us not to uh, be robbed of delighting and feeling blessed when other people are blessed, and we may not be at a particular time, help us, Father, to truly, truly be people that are grateful. And we ask your blessing now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's all take our hymn books out, and we will close in song.